Welcome to In Search Linguicatl. This is a podcast about poetic thinking where we share with you a different perspective of the social world. Every episode, we take a topic or a concept and we use the lens of philosophy, psychology, mythology, and art to analyze the wonderful horrors of the modern world. We are back from a summer break. Uh, it was long. Uh, I don't know if it was productive, but it doesn't need to be productive. It was just long, but we're back. And so uh, this is our first uh, fall autumn episode. Still still summer though, no? Because we don't change to autumn until the celebration of the two goddesses, which is the 27th of September. Which hopefully the episode will be out by then, but we don't know. Let's do it before so we can still make it summer, the okay. end of summer. So we are somewhere between the end of summer and the beginning of fall. That's correct. And in this episode, we will explore the realms of hell or some corners of it. In Sartre's play, No Exit, Garçon, one of the characters exclaims, hell is other people. But what is hell? And how is hell made up of others? Is it made up of other people? And which hells do we raise today? My name is Andrea Celeste. And my name is Andrea Martinez. During our summer break, we did put on the table a particular subject to investigate, which was the subject of hell. Which hells do we see in our um, contemporary world as well as where does the concept come from? And uh, investigating the subject, we stumbled upon hell is other people, which will be uh, the main course of this episode before we will touch a little bit of the hist- of the history of the concept of hell. So, of course, the topic of hell is extremely vast and we can do an entire series or an entire podcast series on the ways that hell has been addressed. But we were more interested, like Andrea is saying, on how do we how do we create our own hells and uh, basically in modern life where uh, modern life and by modern life, I don't really mean modernity in the philosophical sense, but post pandemic, right? Like what, what, or post pandemic, uh, middle of the pandemic, whatever, what we, have we created and how do we think of, and not even even post pandemic, because a lot of these trends began way before that we have started to see each other as hellish, as nightmarish, as, um, you know, impossible to deal with as torturing, right? In the sense of hell as something that is punishing to to experience, Um, it's um, torture. And so thinking about this, uh, that's how we thought, well, then hell is other people, as Sartre said. However, uh, before we get to the, the story behind hell is other people and Sartre and the play No Exit, we want to first establish that there are other hells that are not hells in the sense that we understand hell. So before we get to the hell as other people, we want to say that hell doesn't have to be hell. And of course, the first example, uh, or not of course, but one of the main examples has to be um, an example from Mexico. So in Mexica culture, when people die, uh, they go to Mictlan. 
the land of the dead, and the god there is called Mictlantecutli. And it's a journey that uh, people embark on once they die. And there's a few things that are quite interesting about that journey. First of all, Mictlan is the, the land of the dead, but that doesn't mean it's hell. Mm-hmm. It just means this is where you're going. And it depends not on what you did in life, where you go, but it depends on how you died. So if you died in war or if you died, I believe, giving birth Mm -hmm. or drowned or drowned, you go to different lands, you go to Tlaloc. Um, But if you die a normal death, then you're going to Mictlan. And there are nine uh, lands that you need to cross. And in order for you to cross them, you need a dog. The dog first is going to take the sicker pump. It's going to take you across the river. And so when they buried people in um, ancient um, Mexica culture, they would dig uh, the tomb and they would give give you your dog, your dead dog, of course, and uh, certain other things. They would give you something to cover yourself because you're going to also go through the land of the wind and it's going to be... Some cacao seeds too, no? Or something like this? Possibly. I don't remember yeah. all of the requirements for every of nice steps. I just, I, one of the things I remember is that you need something to cover your, your, yourself because the wind is piercing. It's so strong that it's piercing. And so this journey takes four years. So for four years, uh, the family of the uh, dead person, uh, it's funny because we have, of course, already talked a lot about death. Um, yeah. in our previous episodes we keep returning to the same <laughs> the same themes um, but uh, the, the family that person has to continue to um, do the rites for four years until the person has arrived to Mictlan so in this way everybody's bound everybody's bound to each other <laughs> yes um, as, as we are um, <laughs> And so this is one of the examples where uh, the hell or the inferno is not seen as something that punishes, but is more like it's a journey. It's not defined by your actions. It's not, you know, like this is not what you deserve. It's not a a condemnation. It's not a condemnation. It's not not like what you get. It's It's not what you get because you like, you know, whatever had an abortion or lied to some people or committed fraud or whatever like it's just you know this is what happens if you die naturally so yeah and 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 on the other hells that you explained that this is it that the destiny you get in the netherworld depends always whether you died naturally or i mean it's linked with how you died so it's natural causes you go to mictlan but if you were if you died during um birth like you said you go to a different one which must be uh in a goddess of fertility and 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 flowers something like this and in that way it's the same with um well, with the Greeks and with the Nordics and with the Norse, with the Norse mythology, which is that's why they are so eager to die in battle, for instance, the heroes, because if you don't die in battle, then you don't get to go to, uh, you know, that certain part of hell, which is Valhalla, 
which for us now is paradise. Like if you go outside and you say, so is Valhalla heaven or hell? They go like, well, it's of course a heavenly place. But for, for the Norse mythology, it's, they're, no so, they're not so radical. It's just the netherworld. It's the particular specialized netherworld for, um, for heroes. And for instance, in the Greeks, it's, it's very similar like, in Mex like here in Mexico with Mictlan, which is um, Hades is the, well, actually he is known like the Lord, um, in English it must be the Lord of many visitors because he gets so many, or the host, the host of many visitors because he gets so many people because so many people die, but they're regular people, regular folk. But for instance, there are, there are also the illusion fields where heroes and other very um, special gifted mortals end up um, going. Um, and I'm just going to name drop some of the um, mythological folk of uh, Greece that go up and down, which are Orpheus, Heracles, Persephone, Theseus and of course Dionysus and also the dog is the dog is an archetype as the snake as the rat for the psychopomp which is this particular divine character uh, per, that can go that can travel back and forth uh, back and forth with right. no problem right all around the all around the world in our cultures in human culture we find this um constant and well um and getting closer to hell is other people or to what i wrote in my notes that i um i don't know where i read it but i enjoyed it which is hell and harm the relationship between hell and the harmful is the myth of Inanna, which she is um, Mesopotamian goddess, Persian Mesopotamian goddess, of course, related to Ishtar. She's another version of Ishtar, which is, um, well, the goddess of love. Goddess of love and war, she's a little bit more uh, primitive than, for instance, the Greek goddesses, where love and war are now separate, and that is part of the problem in the Trojan War, which is all of these war gods asking Zeus, what is Aphrodite doing? And what many um, academics say is that because Aphrodite does hold in her archetype, in the love goddess, I mean, holds also in the archetype, the problem of war through uh, earlier goddesses such as Inanna. So Inanna is this typical goddess of agriculture or related to agriculture that um, she will sacrifice her husband every sometime that has to do with vegetation, etc. But um, during her marriage to one of uh, her husbands, which is Dimisu. Sorry, yes? what is the animal? Sorry, I, what is the animal that eats the husband? Like not the husband, but like the the the, <laughs> the male, male, the <laughs> sexual mate. Is is it the um, spiders? Don't spiders eat their? Yeah, the black widow. The black widow is the like. Black the, widow. Sorry, I just thought about the sacrifice of like the mm -hmm. husband. Like, the, or or the mantis when when she's in captivity okay okay yeah. sorry 
Um, well, but yes. So, but I've like, learned from David Attenborough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in in her marriage to Dimisu, she travels to the under to the underworld to hell because she wants to kill and supplant her sister, which is the the goddess of the dead. I'm very interested in this theme as well because it has the problem of, this, of supplantation through your siblings or your peers, but we will get into that some You mean like uh, replacing, replacing? Yeah, replacing, yeah, replacing, like the, the fear of, of being uh, supplants, yeah. Anyway, well, going through hell as, as going to the Mictlan, as any hell, it's a journey. It's a big journey, and if you're not a psychopomp, uh, it's not going to be an easy journey. And if you're not dead, it's not going to be an easy journey either. So she um, she gets into hell completely naked, which uh, means she has lost all her power because of the journey. Like the journey had so many perils that she lost all her power. She gets there completely naked in front of her sister which as a kid sister must be very humiliating if you want to, you know, take control of your sister's kingdom and then just get to her doorstep completely naked and ashamed. Anyway, love and fertility cannot defeat death. This is sort of the morale of the myth. So uh, when the love goddess wants to go back to earth and just keep loving and whatever just keep loving and making uh, more offspring the seven judges which are the Anunnaki uh, ask who descends to hell may live it without harm so what I like about this is this this is one of the first um, moments in hell history where it's linked with some kind of payback you if you can't come here without giving some kind of payback because you just because you came here, so there's there's a kind of, of harm by coming into hell, whether you died and you're here because you're condemned, which is we will get to this in a little bit, which is Christian hell, um, or like this goddess, which is you are not supposed to be here. You're the goddess of life, sex, fertility, love, whatever. What are you doing trying to conquer death? Do you think you can just do this? You can't. I think that that like I mean that whole thing between love and death is, um, you know, like uh, of course myth, but of course because it's a myth, it's so extremely relevant that yeah, like I mean, so love can't conquer. Love can conquer a lot of things, but it cannot conquer death. That is the Western passion. Yeah, exactly. Like the do- can love conquer death? Well. Yeah, no, but well, yeah, some some of the Westerners might still say, "Well, you don't know; it's still a mystery." <laughs> I will I will take no sides. This thing that you talked about, uh, you cannot leave hell without harm. I mean, in a more Western, of course, fashion, more towards where we're going of the hell of condemnation and also existentialism uh, in Sartre. Uh, there's a new movie that uh, hopefully you all have the opportunity to watch. Uh, Leo Carax, he made Holy Mothers and The Lovers of Point North, uh, one of his two of his famous film films, and the new one is with Mister Adam Driver. Oh, it's the movie that you went to see at the movie. 
Adam Driver. Ooh, Adam, Adam Driver. Driver and Marion Cotillard. Oh, really? Um, oh, I get- butchering her last name. I apologize. And the movie's Cotillard. name is Annette. I won't tell you much about the, the plot, but I will tell you that um, one of the main themes in the movie is the abyss. And of course, Leo Carax is French. And of course, he's like referring to French existentialism, which some of you might not find particularly enticing. Um, and of course, I also have my... Uh, strong criticism against uh, Sartre's interpretation of hell and no accident, whatever. And I will talk about that in a minute. But uh, one of the themes is you cannot stare at the abyss, at the abyss without being marked by the abyss. And that when you when you when you watch the movie, uh, you should think about that. You cannot think about that image. You cannot stare at the abyss without being marked. Well, the payback, you can't, um, it's, this the payback is, kind of, is a lot like, I mean, both things, both metaphors. Are very and, and, and I think I'm using it wrong. I'm using it wrong. The, the, the concept of payback, because what I mean is, is this actually is what the sort of what the Greeks also called miasma, which is the problem of trying to go too far, which is kind of what, is going to hell without being invited to hell, for instance. You can't, you can't be in the presence of something that is way bigger than you or that transcends, like this, am I making sense? Like this bigger than yourself thing or not, not being called of- for by, by that who is, that is bigger, you will have to, you know, be marked, pay. You can also think about this in terms of the first season of Black Mirror, where we have a um, Gleason's son, is a beautiful actor as well, Irish actor, and his wife, and he dies uh, in this episode, and the wife somehow manages to use whatever technology to bring to bring him back. Oh yeah! Oh, those those robots. And, then, are and you, cool. you can't you can't bring somebody back without bringing the whole thing. Or is the Baba Duke? Is the, it, it, part of the Babadook back with you, right? So, uh, if you if you're familiar with this episode, you'll know how like how weird it is, like the fact that he's back alive, but at the same time, you know. And actually, for me, that episode um, brought to the table the problem of love and death again, and how when you cannot get conquer what, death, it's kind of uncanny. Yeah, it's kind of uncanny because no, it's uh, there's there's this. Well, there's this very, there's this judgment, or I, I had this judgment all the time, which was how dangerous can it be to, you know, get too much uh, um, attached to a person? Yeah, attached, because I kept thinking sitting in my sofa, it's not him, you know, this with this, because it's, but I am, well, it's not, it's just this uncanny thing that wants to conquer death. Yes, like the Baba Duke. So, going back to to the um, this idea that if that you you can't you can't go to the the fully unknown or to this kind of like beyond limits places without coming back with some remnants rem, remnant or uh, kind of um, scarred in some way from it. Um, uh, will we move on to hell as condemnation? Yeah, I will just want to just point out that um, as hell will 
start to polarize itself more towards condemnation. And although we do find this, the, the origins of being scarred like way with the Persians, it's also a place of um, initiation and of being cured, for instance, as Orpheus leaves hell pretty, pretty scarred because he has to leave his love there. But for instance, Heracles is taken there to cure his madness of killing his wife and children. But we will, as we move, as, as we move towards our time and, or as the world becomes more Christianized, this what will in what will win is the notion of hell as condemnation. So yes, let's move to City of God and Saint Augustine. Okay. Uh, well, what I find interesting in uh, Saint Augustine's uh, City of God uh, regarding hell is his, and I think it's very revolutionary. Is for mi- Middle Ages is how um, the soul and the body are linked. For him, there is no, there is no way you can unlink the soul and the body. Um, be, and in this way, body is as eternal as the soul and through the body, it feels whether it is the basking of, uh, of, our, of, of oneself in God's presence or uh, the torments, uh, the heavily, the fiery torments of hell. Mm-hmm. So I will read an excerpt of this is book 21, chapter one. The title of the chapter is Of the Order of the Discussion, which requires what we first speak of the eternal punishment of the lost in company with the devil, and then of the eternal happiness of the saints. So St. Augustine says, I propose with such ability as God may grant me to discuss in this book more thoroughly the nature of punishment. The body partakes of either destiny, being heavenly or hell. And it seems to be more incredible that bodies endure in everlasting torments than that they continue to exist without any pain in everlasting felicity. Consequently, when I shall have demonstrated that that punishment ought not to be incredible, this will materially aid me in proving that which is much more credible. So here what we have with St. Augustine is the fact that we are going to be punished through our bodies forever. There is that punishment is bodily, which reminds me of... Foucault in terms of punishment as well, because but, but mainly, I mean, and we're not gonna in any way expand on this because we said, you know, this is more like a kind of like um exploration rather than an in-depth um analysis. But of course, you have the all this kind of bodily tortures in uh Dante's Inferno, in the nine yeah. circles of hell, and you know, um all the horrible things that happen to. And the description, because, uh, well, you know, we had no TV TV back then. So uh, the the most read pamphlet, or I don't know, I'm sorry if I am massacring language, but the most read thing in Middle Ages was linked with how the saints were martyred and killed. Mm -hmm. 
So this description of gore is, you know, embedded in our liking. It is, well, we've, we've talked about this in, in our previous episodes and how, how um, complex we are in this ways and how we want to hear terrible stories as the night uh, comes closer. Um, and uh, just sorry, just to bring that a bit uh, closer to to our twenty first pandemic century, uh, th- there's are there are all these stories now that I called vac- I call vaccine porn, which is oh, <laughs> in the New York Times and the Washington Post and all the people that like did not take the vaccine and then got COVID, and then um, in their deathbeds they're like saying, "Please tell my daughter to take the vaccine." And uh, we kind of love this kind, this this type of yeah. Story, it is right? vaccine. It's, it is pornography. That's pornography. It's, it's it's vaccine porn, but it's also you know this like okay, we want to know more. We want to know, oh my god, did she have one child? Oh, maybe she had three children. Oh, maybe they, like you know the more the more dramatic it is, the more. Um, kind of like yeah just as the anti-vaxxers have their porn as well because it's this thing you know got got vaccinated fully vaccinated yeah and and now yeah now he has three heads so it's like yeah but nobody has three heads but that's one case in a million but yeah that case is enough to make the headline okay if anybody has three heads after your full vaccination please let us know (laughs) So being the year 2021, we can say without, with or without complaint that Christianity uh, it has been victorious in many, many, many ways, including uh, this imagery of hell. For Christianity, through St. Augustine as one of the main protagonists in hellish literature, but not only that, as well as Dante, uh, the main symbol or, or, or I think the main... The main thing that matters to Christianity is that hell is a place without God. And in that way, there is no possibility of redemption, of change, of order. There might be order in your punishment in terms of, you know, uh, (laughs) what time you get your punishment or, or what is the order of your punishment, but there is no no cosmos no no end to your punishment um uh and and that your body will suffer you know infinite times forever and ever over and over again and there's not a progression there's not a second so there's no second anything so you just this is it forever your condemnation there is no way you can get out as long as you this is why uh, hell is uh, a cautionary tale as well for Christianity because it's, if you do something wrong in your life, you might uh, you might go and burn in hell. So you must be you must maintain a certain ethos and you know cleanse yourself and be 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 good. Just be good. Yeah, be good. Um, but then, of course, we have uh, and and of course, uh, although Sartre continues to follow this like hell as condemnation, we have some other um, alternative views already in the West with William Blake, an English poet uh, who wrote the marriage of heaven and hell, amongst other beautiful things. Yes, the marriage of heaven and hell, which was published in 1790. And uh, the marriage of heaven and hell is written as a response to a priest that 
strongly believes in the dichotomy, the polarity between heaven and hell. Uh, you know, hell is for bad people, heaven is for good people. And William Blake, uh, in a rather revolutionary way, uh, unusual, uncommon for its time, for his time, says, no, uh, there cannot be hell without heaven. There cannot be opposites without each other. And in um, so there, it's it's a short, it's a short text. It's maybe thirty pages, including his own uh, drawings that he that he made with with all of his texts. Um, and one of the parts of of this writing, it's called Proverbs of Hell, where she try where he tries to imitate, not imitate, but resemble. The same thing of the Bible. No, imitate is, is correct. Biblical, the biblical writings, right? So we have very famous. Well, I would say, I would say, sort of Solomonic. It's they're aphorisms, so right. which are very, yeah, very common in the the dawn of philosophy and religion, which is just this uh, sapient words that right. you know. I mean, so so just to to restate his main thesis here is to say no you're wrong the everything is united um and there cannot be evil without good and there cannot be black without white and there cannot be opposites without you know the the other thing um and we have the mo- the one of his most famous lines which is the road of access leads to the leads to the palace of wisdom uh so Again, it's a response to this kind of more more moralistic, um, san- sanctimonious um, attitudes that uh, more um, how do you call it? Agno- not agnostic. Yeah, he's a mystic. He's he's the last mystic. He's one of them. He's a mystic. Yes, no more um, gnostic. Gnostic. Right. And I'm just going to say a few more verses that I really like. The pride of the peacock is the glory of God. The lust of the goat is the bounty of God. The wrath of the lion is the wisdom of God. The nakedness of the woman is the work of God. Excess of sorrow laughs, excess of joy weeps. The tigers of wrath are wiser than the horses of instruction. So uh, there's there's one sorry there's one that I really enjoy which uh, I can te- definitely link to um, Haley's other people which is he who has suffered your will knows you or something like this okay um, I oh I, which I find perfect because yes he who has suffered your will <laughs> knows you yes. <laughs> Uh, and who, and I was, w- who was the musician? Was it uh, Billy Corgan who used to like really like William Blake, or was that just you? Both, no, both definitely, both Billy Smash Corgan and, and myself. <laughs> I would have to say that um, uh, against uh, against William Blake, which I am rarely against William Blake, but I am in the sense that well, he does underline the fact that. He, that Things like hell or good and good and evil, etc., are more inter- intertwined than what um, the you know Christian religion um, wants us to believe. But he is also one of the main bricks in the symbolic construction of the eternal feminine of that you know the 
the nakedness of the woman is is God's work of art. I under I get where he's coming from, which is he wants to desatinize women, you know. Mm-hmm. Just but at the same time, he's he's just doing the opposition, which is siding with the fact that uh, that she's, the, she's a saint ish. Well, no. ish or or with the problem of just the whole history of pictoric art in Europe, which is uh, women don't own their nudity. Right. It's the work of God. Right. Yeah. Adam Driver is kind of nude in the new Leo Carrick's movie, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> All and his eight And he's the work of God. Tall is he? His body is the work of God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so getting to uh, the title of the of our episode, um, Kelly Sutter People, which again, I don't want to um, be cons- like, I mean, and this is exactly what Sartre is getting at, which is kind of funny. I don't want anybody to think that I'm a Sartrean or that uh, I am like that I agree with his philosophy. I think this is uh, very like we try to come up with titles for our episodes that are catchy that we can that can inspire discussion and that you know you can see often in this kind of like inspirational quotes online on facebook or whatever so uh although there are aspects of his philosophy that are interesting uh there are also a lot of aspects that are you know criticizable so i'm going there but before i go there uh let's just say what is no exit about so no exit is a play uh, that was written in order to uh, bring to life or ex- or express or depict the the concepts that he um, that that are part of his main work, philosophical work, which is being a nothingness. So we have concepts like b- bad faith, authenticity, the gaze, other otherness. Um, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into again into the concepts of being a nothingness because uh, that's not the point of today. And then we have three three main characters who he wrote this play for three of his friends and at no point can these characters leave the stage so we have uh Ines and and Estelle as the one the women and Gar- Garçon we think the, it's Garçon just go Gar- with it or Gar- Garçon Gar- Garçon I don't know <laughs> um and uh, so Garçon is the first one to arrive and then um uh, and the, kind of the point of the play is that they cannot leave this room where they're in and and the valet explains which is typical of dramatic uh theory which is someone that is not um like the bellboy like the guard the messenger Gets, gives you the setting and the, the order of things, which is you can go out, you can ring the bell, but the bell doesn't really work. So I might come or I might not come. Mm-hmm. And this is it. No, you are here. And, and this is where you'll be. And uh, so uh, they quickly find out, uh, Garcan, Ines, Estelle, that um, they are not, they do not know each other. They've never met each other. They they don't they there's no link between them. There's no link between them. And that this is not the hell that they envisioned. That they envisioned a hell where they would find somebody that they made suffer or that suffered at or that knows them because of their will, as Andrea was saying. Um, but it's actually that 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 is 
that is actually one of the first revelations Mm -hmm. because before what they are really surprised by is that it's just this bourgeois place where are my torturers where is my torture there there's no actual flame so that's the first surprise sartre will will end up siding with condemnation in a way and torture but in a more symbolic in a more symbolic way so of course uh, I'll, to make so I'll just say that the, the sins of each of these characters so as just very quickly if you haven't read the play uh, you can read it or read a synopsis or whatever uh, but Garçon is a pacifist but he's a coward he's a hypocrite he's a cheater he's made his wife his wife suffer uh, Ines uh, runs away with her lover and uh, gets pregnant and uh, no 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 that's Estelle Ines is 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 the postal clerk all right Estelle runs with her lover gets pregnant gets an abortion you can't get abortions in 1944 she kills the baby she drops the baby in the river oh that's right that's right I'm sorry in the river and 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 Ines she's a baby um, killer she's a baby killer and it's funny because um uh, we have two two interesting Catholic sins, right? Abortion or or the killing of a baby, and then uh, the other one is uh, she destroys uh, a marriage because she's in love with the woman of, uh, and the, the woman leaves the man, and and uh, and what? Um, so you have you have and lives and has a, like a proper affair with Ines, I believe. And then, then, then that was the character, and, and so she's a lesbian, basically, which is like another condemned uh, act in 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 ca- the Catholic Church, homosexuality, and, and being uh, a coward, and being a coward is also considered a sin in, in right. Christian, and because a that's why adultery. and a cheater, all of the things he he actually is are all, which is also funny, and it's part of the of the irony in in Sartre, because in the end, these are all things that we condemned in inheritance of our Christianity. Right. And uh, to just to finish up with the sins, um, the, the woman that uh, leaves the husband for Ines, uh, Ines turns out to be this like despicable woman. She's like, she says, I'm rotten. I'm rotten because she makes her lover suffer. There is no day that goes by without her telling her something about, oh, we killed him, you know. Oh, because the, the, the husband, the former husband kills himself. And then, of course, eventually the lover, the, the, the woman um, wakes up one night, uh, lets the gas on or leaves the gas on and they both die. So that's kind of like their three sins where they're together uh, or where they're in hell. And then just to jump to the end and to the, and to the most famous line in the play, Garcin says, well, of course, um, these are torture. Hell is other people. We, they know it. It's very, it's very interesting because we do know it from the get-go. Like they right. do ask, they do ask, like, where are torturers? And they and it unravels pretty quickly the fact that because the problem is Estelle is of course completely drawn to Garcon in this very traditional uh feminine mass as a woman man role. Seducing him. Yes, it, and seducing him and the lesbian is just completely uh you know desperate no, i'll take away your pain you will see you will be able to see yourself through me 
Um, and then the Garcan at some point wants to ignore them both, but they're like, so there's this constant absence of uh, otherness of no, no, this constant presence of apologies, this constant presence, presence of the other. And uh, and this is like uh, one of the central aspects again. Well, like so this is the part that is interesting. So I'll start with the part that is not interesting. The part that is not interesting is that Sartre is very much about like whether you're authentic or in bad faith. And we have the famous example of the waiter that just pretends to be an excellent waiter, but he, like he's like he lives in bad faith. This this character has lived in bad faith and, and in an authentic life. Um, uh, well, when they were alive and now they are like, um, you know, being a cheater or like having an affair or whatnot. This is interpreted as inauthentic. Right. So that's but not not being a cheater, just not accepting that you're a cheater or a coward. Right. Yeah, I would say yeah. because he's yeah. he really wants to shake morale off him. And I would say that one of the most important things for me in the sense of hell is other people is hell is other people because these two people know things that I know now. Mm -hmm. There is no place for the private. They know what I think of me and I am being in this case of these three characters, they are actually being their worst judges. Not not actually the other, but themselves. Well, I would argue actually that um, this has, so first of all, I would say that, uh, I would side with, with our last episode uh, with Georg that, you know, we are not always fully authentic, nor we're always fully inauthentic, that we're in a constant performance and therefore, um, and, and in this way, this kind of but butlerian, um, conception of what what it is to be a social self which is to be performing so but anyway beyond that is that the gaze of the other defines who we are so not only in life but in death so so first of all we have all these moments in the play where they are kind of experiencing what is happening still in the living world and where people are waiting for them for waiting for Garcan, his wife or talking about him in the office and so this immovable opinion of the other about us when we once we die but also the opinion of the other of us yeah, are constantly subjected to the like, as you said, it's my opinion of myself, but also the opinion that others have of me. And that is what is hell, because there is only a certain amount of that opinion, if any, that I can control. Well, that's another Black Mirror episode, which is the the one I think it's season one or two. I don't remember. I haven't watched Black Mirror in a long time. The well, the Facebook one. I mean, it's not it's Facebook. Season one. I think it's season, it's season one. But it's this. It's like this woman that is constantly, um, well, being very careful of her second order observation, and uh, hello, but, Lumen. But not being able to control it that much until she she takes a good shot, which is linked to nostalgia. To, to being nostalgic, which is very interesting. She, she sees uh, a picture of, of like a teddy bear that she had with her childhood friend, which is now this really hot, popular profile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she just 
takes a picture of that, uploads it, and that nostalgia triggers the other girl. She invites her to be her um, her handmaid at the wedding or whatever it is, her, her bridesmaid. Right. Yeah, bridesmaid. And that's just the downfall because she can't, for whatever reason, she can't hold that. So, so she's just, and, and what's interesting of that episode is that she might be able to, in a for a little bit, hold it, but then she can't. And the downfall is terrible. She ends up like in this kind of jail. Also being very relieved by screaming at people. So this is, I mean, of course, we have uh, in the Sartrean, in the very Sartrean sense, this Black Mirror episode where it's like, I'm performing for the other who have served me, but I'm not being myself. And also we have the Lumanian and also Georg, who was here uh, in the previous episode, um, more kind of uh, less condemning of the of the second of their observation of social media, where um, I mean, you you can see both sides, uh, both the Sartrean and the and the you know this. And for instance, where does but mm-hmm. sorry uh, uh, all the time? So the, the the pressures of how to profile ourselves so that the other sees us. How does the other? How am I perceived? Like now, like am I perceived as a Sartrean? As am I perceived? Uh, at work as an idiot am I perceived as productive as am I perceived as bossy in social media do th- people think I'm cool do people think of me as a theater person do people think of me as an academic do people think of me as absent in social media do people think of me not only on social media but because I'm not in social media do people perceive of me as special do people perceive me as mm-hmm. revolutionary, do people perceive me as an outcast? Is that how I want people to perceive me? So second order of observation goes far back, further back than social media and further beyond social media. It's all over, all around us. And now social media, of course, uh, further evidence evidences reveals uh, this second order observation and for the same reason because it's so palpable it becomes also hellish and that's when you have documentaries which i have not seen but uh fake famous right where like you make people you know try to be famous like you know influencers or whatever and they end up breaking down because it's really hard to be pleasing people all the time but you know it's been always hard to be pleasing people all the time Right. That's why, you know, the girl in Black Mirror screams, but she would have screamed also a hundred years ago. Maybe she wouldn't have screamed. Maybe she would have like, you know, drank a bunch of stuff. Well, it's I mean, it's like it goes from um, Titanic to Britney Spears. I mean, there's this there's this part in Titanic where Rose DeWitt Bucator tells Jack Dawson, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and no one looks up. Right. Uh, in terms of why she wants to kill herself because she's being surrounded by this this hell that um, makes makes her be or condemns her to be in a certain way and the other well it's a she's so lucky she's so star but she cries cry um, or how does uh, Britney this, this yeah she, I, what's the name of that lucky song? lucky yeah which is 
it's but like i mean of course uh, the social media and if you watch look i've been i've been going through the the social media profiles of britney spears and madonna and the exponential growth of the of what Georg calls the general peer right like of the of that who observes you and uh, you can definitely you can quickly see the damage or um i mean it's not like the damage is for is is just about social media but social media really uh exposes it's really it visible exposes yeah. it, exposes it it's uh so you know uh, it doesn't it doesn't take very long just check out britney spears instagram profile or madonna's profile and you'll see what i'm talking about um but at the same time the gaze of the other i would say and this is where i disagree with sartre the gaze of the other is not necessary for me to become a hell of my own making because if we are completely isolated we are also in hell but i don't think again i think sartre always gets radicalized uh in a way i i mean well what else are they going to talk about if not hell since they are in hell so of course the conclusion in a play about hell is going to be about hell I don't what I I don't think he means as an absolute um experience of course in in life but it is true I mean and and linked to the to his problem of of authenticity it has to do with that because people don't allow you to be authentic sometimes this is the problem of grandmothers like I have it's I want to do this to my hair. I got want to get a tattoo. And, and if you live in a very traditional Mexican household, your abuelita is going to say, what did you do to yourself? And that's going to be a problem. And you can't decide. You don't have to go do too far. Body. My mother stopped talking to me recently uh, because I got another tattoo. And she was like, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And she sent me a text <laughs> on Facebook saying, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> so in that way, I mean, I was in like, that way, she was like, these I, other people. I was like, I've been, I, I've, I've gotten like about nine tattoos. This is like the eighth of, or the ninth. I can't remember exactly. So I was like, this never worked for you before. What do you think is going to work for you now? But, you know, yet again. And just let me give one more example, more scientific other than my mother. Um is that uh, which is a doctor so it's science enough there science enough but like it's she's a maximum or enough science (laughs) but anyway uh so researching this topic i came across um study of organizational psychology in germany uh who surveyed uh which surveyed 70,000 employees uh of different areas and it turns out that those employees who uh, have to deal with conflictual situations with with others um, are more likely to experience occurrences of depression. So yes, hell is other people. And basically what the uh, study explains is that, well, and and this is actually mostly, or more more commonly women, not men. Um, uh, and, And you can have the theories that you want about why it's mostly women than men, or maybe there's more women in these occupations than men, or maybe women have a harder time or process these things more personally. We don't know. Uh, but it's, um, uh, occupations that require, uh, this kind of social emotional resources, 
right? That, you know, require you to regulate emotion, to regulate your expressiveness, to calculate this, how you're going to, you know, talk to the other without being like a complete asshole, basically. And so that is like, it's significant. Hellish. That's hellish. Yeah. So that, that, that is seemingly hellish. Um, so yes, uh, but however, because- one- Tell me. Yes. No, you go ahead. Uh, that one uh, when Sartre was interviewed about his line "Hell is other people," he was actually like, "Well, I've been misinterpreted. I don't mean hell is other people. I mean that you know uh, we understand ourselves through others, and others mm-hmm. understand themselves through ourselves, and that's what I meant. So that's, I mean, okay. And that is part of hell. That is what I think with the play does continue to uphold many of the symbolic. The, of the of the symbolism that hell has since the beginning of our human whatever which is it is also it's a place of torment in a way but it's also a place of self-knowledge right because it is through the other whether it, whether it is uh, a self-knowledge that will give you hell or not but just also Sartre's linking knowledge to a hellish experience because what existentialism brings to the table is you are responsible for your own nausea if it is you get nauseous with this experience of life which is also i i would actually add that more than than being you know or wanting to present hell as hell he also is marking hell as quite mundane because right. like what what you just said like yeah people quite mundane and and, and in that way is why why going to the bank something is, oh, is hellish the bank. all all of this bureaucratic uh you know thing but processes not only, you- like basically every single like not every single but a lot of the interactions <laughs> that we have nowadays sorry uh, not not every single interaction but a lot of the interactions so um you know I, i've experienced this of recently not help but like you know this kind of like hellish circumstances going back to work uh now that lockdown is over in ireland and you know um you can see i i i would be honest i don't i haven't felt the hell of others just oh no I have felt it of course you feel it I'm lying Uh, but I can also see how others experience each other as hell in the same classroom where I teach (laughs) right and like you can see people react to one another like (laughs) you can see them in torment torment. you can sometimes know you can sometimes know if you are the torment (laughs) and of course and of course and sometimes people like being the torment and you see this in social media and twitter all the time especially now with the rise of uh, you know, this dichotomy of anti-vaxxers versus people that are for the vaccine and like, you know, people that are, you know, Fauci or whatever science prone, they're like, or we support science or we've been vaccinated or whatever. We're like, oh, these fucking anti-vaxxers are hell. Sorry, I didn't mean to curse. Did we curse in the podcast before? Of course we did. Anyway, yeah. whatever. Uh, or, or And the anti-vaxxers are like, whatever this, or it, it you can put in, in any context, the Met Gala, the, uh, you know, the Democrats, the Republicans, the I'm lovers, whatever. Like they are all tormenting, trying to torment each other. Trying to go. Well, apparently the only way to get the other's attention is through torment as well. Exactly. 
that is the part that is so like well the i was when i was re- when the part in the play where the door actually opens there's a, well like andrea said like this uh, they don't the characters don't leave the the scene they can't and the door won't open and there's no windows and there's never darkness and they can't sleep and they can't rest and they're just there with them uh not blinking and sudden, yeah, not no blinking. blinking and suddenly there's this like very passionate moment in the play where they start you know yelling at each other or whatever and open the door and then the door actually opens and then now of course they're they're you know have the dilemma of what if we go out and of course they don't go out which is also part of the mundanity of this whole thing which is what has happened I mean to me in certain i mean in in certain jobs or when i was studying um uh, my first career i remember sometimes that was hell going through going through that and i remember saying well why can't i just leave i could i could leave i could tell my parents and i never i never did which is something that also happens uh like in in class with my students we've also had this conversation which is I don't agree with, and I said, well, there's, there's some stuff that all every institution can change and should change in order to conserve itself. Um, If it might, if it should be, uh, you know, conserved, some, some things shouldn't be conserved anyway, but you can't change everything. So you either deal with that or you can, but if you're so mad with the institution, with the system, whatever, well, leave. We never leave the system. Yeah. If the students doesn't do their homework and they're on the phone and I'm like, you paid for this course, you're free to leave, right? Like, I mean, we're better off without you. Without I don't you. Say, I don't say it like that exactly, but slightly more polite. I'm like, you're free to go. You're, you're marked present. Go. They don't go. Right. do they it, want to torment you that would be one of the questions well, well i don't know it's just it's they are the others no. torment but they're not trying to like they don't leave not because they want to torment you but because of the same reason why the characters in no exit actually don't leave because to be confronted with whatever you'll just continue in the cycle that you're in, you won't. And that is exactly one of the points that Sartre also makes, that is like, not only are they trapped in hell, but in real life, we're trapped in our own habits that are like our own like ways, right? That we can't get out of. Um, which uh, I would argue that um, Freud would agree. So uh, moving forward from Sartre to the 1990s and one of her favorites, one of her favorite women who, liked talking about her own health um we have one of uh, fiona apple's songs called sleep to dream it's in the, the title first, album. The first, yeah. the first album is called title uh, she was 18 years old when she recorded it she's our billy eilish kids that's who she is i don't want to talk about billy eilish well whatever but i mean she's the sometimes tortures me She's the 18-year-old. Fiona Apple is the 18-year-old. Of course, of, of course. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking, Billie Eilish. Uh, although I do find her a bit torturing, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so in one of her songs, she says, you, you're, you say love is a hell you cannot bear. And of course, in this sense, love as their relationship to the other. And I say, give me mine back. 
and go there for all I care. Uh, and then she says, I got my feet on the ground and I don't go to sleep to dream. You got your head in the clouds and you're not at all what you seem. It's a love song, but hell is coming back. <laughs> this mind, this body and this voice cannot be stifled by your deviant way. So don't forget what I told you. Don't come around. I've got my own hail to race. I think she sums it up pretty nicely. So we all have our own health to race. So enjoy. See you soon. We're in such link. We got. Thank you for listening and watching. <laughs>